0: The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org.
1: This week, we look at the topic of joy. Uh, There's a familiar song, It's the Happiest Time of the Year. That's not true for everyone. Watch this.
2: it's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be much mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. It's the most
1: wonderful time of the year. We do that with kids. Uh, you tell me. Um, why anybody want to be... or? why does Santa want to be uh, doing that? Who knows? But uh, it's the happiest time of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Not for everyone. Not for everyone. You know, at this time of year, we sing songs of joy. In fact, we, we specifically picked out several songs with that. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. We sing good Christian men. What's the next word? Do you remember? Rejoice. Uh, when we do, oh, come all you faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Uh, even Frosty the Snowman was a jolly, happy soul. So when we come to the topic of joy, the question is, what is joy and how do we experience it, especially in the midst of the busyness of all that we're doing? Well, what is joy and how do we do it? But before we look at the Christmas passages, I want to look at several Christmas passages that, that the word joy or rejoice is mentioned in, and that topic is brought to the front, but I think we have to distinguish between happiness and joy, two different things. First of all, happiness is an emotion happiness is an emotion, happiness is something that we feel. In fact, it's quite interesting, Bev wrote a blog on the difference between joy and happiness not too long ago, and in that blog she pointed out that happiness comes from the root word hap in the Old English, the etymology of that word, and we get the word happening from it, and therefore our happiness is often based on the happenings around us. That's the root of that word, and so what we would say is happiness is emotion based on the circumstances around us, is quite circumstantial. Hap, happiness, uh, and happenings, all tied together, and really, it's an emotion. It's not something we can do on command. It's something that we are impacted by around us. Joy, on the other hand, in Galatians chapter five, is the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit are first of all love, and then the second one is what joy. And so it's a fruit of the Spirit. Therefore, it's not based on circumstances. It's based upon the supernatural. It's based on our walk with Christ. In fact, in Galatians 5, it says, walk by the Spirit. You'll not carry out the desires of the flesh. And the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. And so there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness and emotion. You can't command an emotion. I can't say be glad and you're glad. I can't say be sad and you're sad. I can't command you to do that. On the other hand, when we find that joy is a result of the fruit of the Spirit, it is an issue of obedience. It's a choice that we make. When we walk by the Spirit, we will experience joy irregardless of the circumstances. John Piper, who many of you listen to, many of you read his books, has said this in his book, The Dangerous Duty or The Duty of Delight. Joy is an act of obedience. We are commanded to rejoice in God. If obedience is doing what God commands, then joy is not merely the spin-off of obedience. It is obedience. The Bible tells us over and over to pursue joy. In fact, in Psalm 32, we read these words, be glad in the Lord and rejoice. The word rejoice is imperatible. You righteous one, shout for joy. All you who are upright in heart, we just sang songs about shouting as well as joy this morning, tying the message in to the music and worship as we have. And so what we find is happiness is an emotion, whereas joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Happiness is based on circumstances. Joy is based upon a walk with God. In fact, Oswald Chambers, who wrote My Utmost for His Highest, a devotional guide, how many of you have used that sometime in your spiritual life, My Utmost for His Highest? You know, two things about that. First of all, it's amazing. If you want something to take you through the scriptures on a regular basis, my utmost for his highest, Oswald Chambers. Secondly, you know, when I read that, I think of a man who's probably in his 60s or 70s who's experienced much of life. But if you know Oswald's stories, he actually died of meningitis, I think, at age 30 in Egypt. And as a result of that, you, you read this thing rich with wisdom from a much younger man. And Oswald Chambers writes this about joy. He, he says, uh, joy is the great note all through the Bible. We have the notion of joy that arises from good spirits to good health. We're joyous when things are good, basically. But the miracle of joy, of the joy of God, has nothing to do with our life, our circumstances, our condition. Jesus Christ did not come to man and say, cheer up. He plants within a man the miracle of the joy of God's own nature. You see, the nature of God is to be joyful, and therefore, when we are walking by the Spirit, controlled by the Spirit, yielded to the Spirit, one of the results is, regardless of the conditions of life, if our spirits are good or not, if our health is good or not, the miracle of joy is that we have joy planted in us because of who He is. That's why Paul could say in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, as a command, these are imperatives, rejoice in the Lord always again. I say rejoice. He's commanding us to rejoice. Can't command an emotion, but you can command an act of obedience, and therefore joy and rejoicing is an act of obedience to the one who knows and walks with Christ. So that's a difference. That's a difference. It's quite interesting in the blog that Bev wrote, the other thing she pointed out is that uh, the the root word, the the etymology behind the root word for joy comes from the word charas, C-H-A-R-A, in the Greek that's charas, and we get the word grace from it. And so, joy and rejoicing is an act of obedience. It's an act of grace. It's the grace of God filling up our lives, so that regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the conditions, regardless of where we are, regardless of what we're doing, we can have great joy. Because some of you say, "Me, last thing I need is a sermon on joy right now." I feel a little joyless. I mean, the busyness of the season and everything that's added on it, the stress of what's coming up with family and getting the right presents and everything else, it's hard to have joy. Now, it may be hard to have happiness, but the reality of it, joy is a choice of obedience. And we go to the Christmas story, there's some folks that experience real joy. In fact, their response is a response of joyful praise. It's a response of joyful praise. The first is Mary. You're familiar with the story. Let's look at Luke chapter 1 together. Mary is uh, minding her own business one day. We don't know what she's doing, where she is, Uh, but ladies, you know, here she is, an engaged woman. She's betrothed to Joseph, so I I picture her sweeping the floor. I picture her lost in her daydreams and thoughts, and she's thinking about what everybody's going to wear at the wedding and what it's going to look like and all the preparations that need to be made, but regardless, we don't know the background to that, but we do know Gabriel visits her. And when Gabriel visits her, he tells her the unbelievable. The unbelievable is she's going to have a baby. And she asks the question, how can that be? I, I mean, she's a virgin woman. How can that be? And you're familiar with the response of Gabriel. It's found in Luke chapter 1. It, when Gabriel tells her in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the, Son, the Holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. So here's Mary minding her own business, planning her wedding, about to get married. And all of a sudden this angel appeared. Now that in itself would be enough to scare you to death. But the next thing that happens is the angel says, oh, by the way, Mary, you're about to be pregnant and you're going to be pregnant, not by man, but by the Holy Spirit. And that baby you carry is going to be God's son. Now, ladies, wouldn't you freak out just a little bit at that point in time? Really? ladies, would you? I mean, an angel appears to you, you're a virgin, you're going to have a baby and it's going to be God's son. Well, at that point in time, I imagine anybody would be freaking out, but not Mary. What we find instead is Mary turns what should have been a time or what could have easily been a time of anxiety and worry into worship. So Gary, where do you get that from? Well, I get it from the section of God's Word called Mary's Magnificat. It's called Mary's Magnificat because the first word, the Latin word there, is magnificent. Exaltation is the word we have in our Bibles. It's found in Luke chapter one, beginning in verse 46. We just sang this song. My soul exalts in the Lord. My spirit rejoiced in God my Savior. For he, he, has regarded my humble estate. That first song we sang with the kids when we all worshiped together, right out of Luke chapter 1, verse 46, Mary's Magnificat. Now, I want you to think about Mary for a second. Mary is probably very young. In that day and age, women were married in their early teens. And so more than likely, she is a youthful teenager. Not only is she young, she's probably illiterate. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, it would be highly unusual for a young Jewish girl in Nazareth to have an education. And so more than likely, I can't tell you definitively, but more than likely, Mary is young, but Mary is also illiterate. Her experience is quite limited. Living in Nazareth, a blue-collar community, she was probably poor, and in that poverty, her experience would be limited. Maybe she traveled as far as Jerusalem. It's doubtful she ever left Israel, maybe not even the region around the Sea of Galilee. And what we find in Mary is that she is poor, pregnant, quite inexperienced, but she's praising God. My soul exalts. And what we see is joyful praise. Joyful praise. My soul exalts. I love having these kids up here every year. I, I mean, I don't know from your vantage point if you could see them, but I mean, they were having a ball. They're back and forth. They're bouncing around. They're smiling. They're waving at you out there. I mean, they're just having a ball. I mean, there, there's a sparkle in their eyes. You saw them first hour when they first got here and got light, there's a sparkle in their eyes. I saw a couple of them raising their hands in worship. But when I read this section in Luke chapter 1 of Mary, my soul exalts in the Lord and when she talks about praising the God, the God of her, her Savior. But what I picture her hands raised, eyes sparkling, voice excited. How many of you either watched the Mary Baylor Temple High School football game or went to it yesterday? How many of you did that? The majority of us. Look at that. Did you get excited one time? Did you get excited one time? I, I mean, I saw some of you on TV. You scream there, but you won't scream here. Okay. I saw you. Thanks for waving at me. I appreciate that by the way. I mean, if if I told you, hey, when we do that shout song, I need you to shout, you would say there is no way you're going to sit in your hands and say there's absolutely no. If I told you to raise your hands and worship, you say I'm not some crazy charismatic, wide-eyed fanatic, but I saw some of you on TV screaming, hollering, hands raised like you are a madman and woman. How much more should it be for our Savior? My soul exalts, Mary says. This is a this is a, a section of joyful praise. What prompted Mary to joyful praise? The announcement of the Advent. When the announcement of the Advent was made to Mary, she responds, my soul, my soul magnifies the Lord. He has done great things in me. Mary's not the only one whose heart was filled with joyful praise at this time. By the way, Mary may have been poor. She may have been pregnant and praising God, she may not have had much education, but if you read through Mary's Magnificat, I taught through three years ago, it's, it's quote after quote after quote from the Old Testament, 17 attributes of God are mentioned in those verses. So she is a woman who knew the scriptures. It's the reason why she found favor before God. It was all grace. God chose her, not because she was some, some type of special super saint, but the reality was she was a godly woman who pursued Yahweh. Another person or a group of people who had joy, the shepherds. Now, we, we've, we've heard all kinds of Christmas stories about the shepherds. I've portrayed shepherds. You've been in plays and pageants when you've portrayed shepherds or your kids have. And we don't know an awful lot about the shepherds. We do know the angel appeared to them saying, glory to God on the highest peace on earth, goodwill to men. We do know that they were afraid because the angel says, don't be afraid. And the scriptures, when the angels say, don't be afraid, you've got good reason to be afraid. And so they, they, they begin, they, they, I'm sure, have a discussion about who's going to chase after the scattered sheep and who's going to go into Bethlehem. And I'm assuming some stayed and gathered up the scattered sheep and the rest went into Bethlehem. And they go there and they begin to tell Mary and Joseph everything they'd seen and everything they'd heard. And I love the response of Mary in Luke chapter 2, verse 19. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. The word ponder is an interesting word in the language. It's like a, ch- a cow chewing its cut. It's to meditate and think on. I mean, she's just thinking about all that God has done in her life for the past nine months and on this day. And this group of men, these shepherds who've come to them to talk about angels appearing to them. And she knew they'd appeared to her and Joseph. But look at verse 20. Joyful praise of the shepherds. And the shepherds went back. You imagine, I, I, I tried to imagine what that discussion was like let's go back to the fields. We've been with the Messiah. And I imagine on the way back, they talked about the Jerusalem giants and the Bethlehem babies who were playing ball that day. I mean, what, what do you think they talked about on the way back? Man, they were talking about the Messiah. And how do I know that? Look at what it says. And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and all they had seen just has been told to them. And so what the shepherds do is they have joyful praise. And what prompted them to joyful praise was the advent of the Messiah. Mary's moved to joyful praise through the announcement of the advent. They're moved to joyful praise through, through, the, through the advent itself. They saw the baby. They went to the manger and they saw the baby for themselves as had been promised to them. And so what we see is another response of joyful praise. We see it first of all in Mary and now we see it in the shepherds. You know, I stop for a moment and I ask, is that our response to the birth of Messiah, to the Advent? In the hubbub of all that we're busy about and all that we're doing, have you paused to give joyful praise to the Savior? Well, there are a couple of forgotten characters in the Christmas story, and their life was filled with praise as well. We don't know a whole lot about them except what appears in uh, Luke's gospel, and their names are Simeon and Anna. Simeon and Anna. Now, we, we really don't know much about them. We know, we know they have a couple of things in common. The first thing they have in common is they're old, they're old. The scriptures tell us that. Look at verse 37 of Luke chapter two. It says, then a widow at the age of 84, she's 84 years old, she's old. And it talks earlier about Simeon. And so you have two old people. By the way, I am almost considering myself in the age of old. I'm not there yet, but I'm headed that direction. Uh, I don't know if they were grandparents or not, but I can tell you it is a most wonderful time of the year for, how many of you are grandparents out there? It's a wonderful time of the year for us. But We get to love on these kids, spoil these grandkids, send them home to drive their parents crazy. Somebody sent me a deal this past week, and uh, it was a note, for, it was a phone call that a uh, five-year-old made to his grandpa. He said, hey, Gramps, thanks for the drum set you gave me for Christmas. You know where this has gone, don't you? I said, it's the best present I've ever gotten. And Grandpa said, that's great. Have you learned how to play it yet? This is about three weeks after Christmas. He said, no, I don't ever play it, Gramps. My mom gives me a dollar a day not to play it during the day. And my dad gives me $10 a week not to play it at night. It's a great <laughs> present. So grandparents, let me see your hands again. You want to help your grandkids make a little money? Give them a drum set for Christmas and tell them Pastor Gary said so. I, I can't tell you about Simeon and I don't know that. But they're in the midst of an amazing thing. Mary and Joseph come to the temple. at time for the rite of circumcision. And if you look at verse 27 of Luke chapter 2, it says, he came in the spirit into the temple. This is Simeon. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to carry out the custom of the law, circumcision, Simeon took him in his arms and he blessed him. The joy of Simeon. See, Simeon had been promised that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. And now Simeon holds the baby in his arms. And if you drop down to verse 34, and Simeon blessed them. And if you drop all the way down to verse 38, at that very moment, Anna came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. You see, what you see here is joyful praise. The joyful praise of Mary because of the announcement of the Advent. The joyful praise of the shepherds because they saw the Advent. And the joyful praise of Simeon and Anna because they experienced the Advent. All that had been promised to them came true. And so they go to the temple that day, and theirs is a response of joyful praise. Joyful praise. Mary was prompted by the announcement. The shepherds prompted by the advent itself. And now they are prompted to joyful praise. Blessing is what it says in the scriptures, a literal word. Because the promise has come true. So we pause. It's so hard to pause this time of year, isn't it? We pause for a moment. We pull back the blanket. And we look at the baby. And hopefully our response is joyful praise. So let me encourage you this week to pause, just to pause and to reflect on the promise of the Advent, the Advent itself, the announcement of the Advent, and to recognize great joy comes not from our circumstances, but from the Advent itself, from the Messiah. I ran across this video this past week about pausing And I guess in my mind, I was thinking it's so difficult to pause this time of year. And here's a gentleman who began to understand the importance of pausing. Let's show that real quickly.
3: My mama told me something when I was growing up that has forever changed my life. She played the piano at our little church at Third and Pine Street for 37 years. She tried to teach me to play the piano, (laughs) but I wasn't very good. She would teach me the names of the notes, what a major key is, what a minor key is. She tried to teach me musical theory, but I was just bored. Then, one day, she told me that the best news in the world is found by playing a simple scale on the piano. I had no idea what she meant, so she told me to play an eight-note scale. So I did. I said, How is that good news? And she said, I played it incorrectly and that I needed to play it the other way. So I did. Again, I said, How is that good news? And she said, I played it the right way, but I needed to add the pauses. The pauses? She said, The pauses. Add them on the first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. Now, I was frustrated and said, how can eight notes with random pauses be the best news in the world? Then I got up, walked away, and went outside. Frankly, I didn't care what she was talking about. I didn't like playing the piano anyway. Well, years later, my mama got sick and passed away. As I was thinking about her, I remembered what she told me about the piano. Not only that, I still remember the notes she told me to pause. The first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. So I sat down at her piano and played the scale with the pauses. Realized the good news she was talking about.
1: When you pause, <laughs> when you pause, you can experience joy because you're looking at the Savior. And when we look at that, we recognize for many of us, we don't pause. The source of joy, it's quite evident. I mean, the source of joy is our Savior. What brought joy to Mary, what brought joy to the shepherds, what brought joy to Anna and Simeon was the Savior. And so I encourage you to pause this year, to pause and to ponder as Mary pondered and recognize to have joy in this world, internal, supernatural joy, the fruit of the Spirit, is yielding ourselves to Him. And I'll remind you, That joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. When we walk in obedience, we choose joy. Happiness is the emotion. Joy is not. There are things that rob us of our joy, no doubt. The world, the flesh, and Satan will rob us of our joy. Satan will fill you with a bunch of lies. He came to kill, steal, and destroy. And he'll seek to steal your joy. But God wants you to have an abundant life. The business of the world will steal your joy the flesh will steal your joy. Paul says if you walk in the Spirit, you'll not carry out the desires of the flesh and the opposite of that or the fruit of the Spirit. And so what I remind you of is this, that joy comes from the Lord who lives in us, not what's happening around us. Joy comes from the Lord who lives within us, not from the circumstances happening around us. Amen? And so I hope this Christmas season you'll recognize that he does come to bring you comfort and joy. And you can live in joyful triumph each and every day. Bev sent me a video this week, and uh, it's a video about kids choosing to give to others. And it actually brings about great joy. We're going to conclude by watching that.
0: This year for Christmas, what are you hoping to get? A computer. Big giant. Barbie house. A trophy case. Xbox 360. Minecraft Legos. What do you think your mom or dad want for Christmas? My mom would probably want a ring. She's never really had a ring. Jewelry. She loves jewelry. A new TV. Like watches. So, we actually did buy an Xbox 360. What in the world I wanted this? Okay, you, you really got this for me? A new laptop. Wow. It's a necklace. So we also bought a necklace because you said you also wanted to get a necklace for your mom or your auntie. The catch is that you can either get a gift for yourself
2: huh?
0: or you can pick a gift for your mom and dad. I need you to pick one. Now, now before you answer... Oh, I bet that's hard. Is that a really hard question? Mm-hmm. What gift do you pick? I choose this. I gotta go with the ring. What gift do you pick? That one. That one. That dress. I'll choose this for my mom. I'll choose this one. It's a really tough question. I'll but give him this. You already know? Tell me why. Because Legos don't matter. Lego, y- your family matters. Not Legos, not toys, your family. So it's either family or Legos, and I choose family. I get gifts every year from my family, and my mom don't get anything. If I get a laptop, my mama will something. She helps me when I'm sick. He helps me with my homework. She gave me a house to live in. They look out for me and do stuff for me, so I need to give back to them. Now I I have the opportunity to give them something. Because you actually picked the gift for your family, you're actually going to go home with both. Tell me how you're feeling. I'm feeling really happy and thankful. Just happy. Thankful. For your family? For what? My family, everything. You did make his decision. And oh, he goodness. picked the Pandora Charms.
2: Oh, that is. So That's. You're gonna make me cry. So, where are you gonna the thing? In your room. Mm-hmm. All oh, for me. All for you. Thanks, guys. I
0: was going to.
1: You know. Yeah, I've watched that video a dozen times and cried through it every time like you're doing right now. And I thought, why? Because it brings such joy to see kids making that choice. Think about the Savior making the choice not to give stuff, but to give himself. Father, that's the joy of Christmas. A Savior who came. Help us never, ever, ever ever, to get past that. And so, Father, this day we proclaim that Jesus is Lord, we celebrate him as King, and we honor him. And if you don't know him today, I pray that you'll know my friend Jesus who gave his life for you. And we pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Merry
2: Christmas.